Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I wanted to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code, you just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to IndiePrintCo.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th, so head on over there today and check it out. anthology community, a frequent topic of discussion and a business struggle that many deal with is increasing prices. And we get it. It can be quite the undertaking to figure out how much you should increase your prices in a whole other ordeal to tackle the mental hurdles of actually implementing those new prices. But take heart friends, increasing your prices can be done and done effectively and successfully. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. On the podcast today, Allison and I will be chatting about those exciting but daunting price increases and what steps specifically Allison took to go from $300 days in her business to $1,000 days. Also joining us as a guest on this episode is our very own Allie Payne. I'm excited for you guys to meet Allie. She's an amazing asset to the TMA team as a member of our support staff. She's also a successful photographer in her own right as an associate photographer with our team at Kimbox Photography. Allie brings a fresh set of eyes to this episode as someone who is also navigating a lot of changes in her own growing business. So let's dive in. I present to you episode number eight of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to Allison Craig, my business partner at the Motherhood Anthology today and owner of um, Lentil Photography. Mm -hmm. And also we get to introduce you to someone that you may not know is a part of our TMA team, Allie Payne. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Allie does a lot behind the scenes at the Motherhood Anthology, and we just love and appreciate her so much. But she also is a fairly, I would call you a fairly new photographer. How many years, Allie, have you been in business? Uh, Full time, maybe four. But I mean, as far as motherhood photography, a year and a half, maybe two years. Okay. So I did weddings previous to that. Yeah. And Allie is also a part of our team at Kimbox Photography. So I thought it would be great to have her on Allison with us today because being fairly new to the business, like I thought that she would have some good questions as well. So yeah, of course. Yeah. I want to start by you. I know that most people here at TMA know you well, but tell people about you and maybe a little about your your journey in business, how long you've been in business. Tell them how the name Lentille Photography came to be. (laughs) Sure. So I have been in business over 10 years and I have a studio back in Houston and I have a amazing photographer that works for me, Monette. 
And I actually live in Asheville, North Carolina with my family. So I commute um, monthly back to Texas to do sessions for my clients. I got a studio and it, I feel like, I feel like whenever you can't really remember dates, that's when it's like showing your age, but I think it was like 2014 or 2015, whenever I got my first studio space and I'm on my third space now, hoping to be a a fourth soon and final resting place for my business. But yeah, I've been doing this basically since my oldest was like two and the business is named after sort of after him, you know, when you're pregnant and you get those emails saying your baby is the size of a, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, some fruit. Um, I got one saying your baby is the size of a lentil bean. And for whatever reason that stuck, we called him lentil because we weren't sure what his name was. He wasn't named until he was like two or three days old. And whenever it came time to name my business, I know that like, you know, a lot of people will say artists should use their name for recognition, but that name just sort of stuck with me lentil. And I didn't want to spell it like the bean. (laughs) So he, my son is named, his middle name is after my brother and my brother lives in Paris. And so I looked up the French translation and it is the spelling that I use. And it also means lens of a camera or (gasps) lens. Yeah. So I felt like that was sort of Meant to be. Meant to be. Yeah. And so it's stuck and it's been lentil photography ever since. And I don't think I would ever change it to my name. I I love it the way it is. Yeah. I love it too. So what I wanted to talk about today, um, there was a great question inside of our membership group and I thought, well, this will make a really good podcast episode. And so we'll just kind of break the question into pieces. But one of our members started out by asking about your transition from $300 days to $1,000 days. I think she had read that you had mentioned that. And so let's just dive into that. Like the first part of her question was, I'd like to hear more about your transition from $300 days to $1,000 days. So when I started, I was, I knew nothing about business. And so I very much like looked around to see what other people were charging and I based my numbers off of that. And to be totally transparent, you know, I was working as a nurse at the time. I was a brand new nurse. And so I remember back then I was probably making like $23 an hour. And so for me, the thought of being able to do a session, an hour session and make $300, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, you know, my brain, I I had no, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So Mm -hmm. I had no idea that I should, that it's not just an hour that you're spending at the session, right? It's, you know, it is your time afterwards editing the images. It's all of the expenses that come with a business. It is the time beforehand corresponding back and forth with clients. And that's really what you need to, you know, base your numbers off of along with paying taxes mm-hmm. and, you know, making a, making a decent salary. So, you know, I did the $300 for a while. And I got to the point where it just didn't feel right anymore. I, it wasn't necessarily because I, I wasn't like, I was mad with like what I was making because at that point, you know, I was not really paying myself. It was just sort of like sitting in a bank account. And so, you know, I saw the bank account growing, but didn't realize like, you're not actually paying yourself. It, I switched it more, or I I wanted a change more because 
I wanted to create like a, an experience that was not just what everybody was doing around me. And that's about the time where I discovered Jenny and I signed up for her PDF, like mentoring that she had back then. And that was really like the, it lit the fire under me to make those changes. And that's really when I took the time to learn about business because, you know, everyone sees, you know, photography and it's great and all of that, but really photography is like 10% of what we do. And 90% of it is the behind the scenes business part. And if you don't, if you don't have that in order, I think that's a, a huge reason why so many photographers burn out after a year or two. So how long did you, um, do both photography and nursing? Um, I did that for two years and whenever I was pregnant with my second in 2014, I, I quit the spring of, of 2014 and really focused on photography and, you know, looking back, it was a lot. I mean, I had a, I had a three and a half year old. I had a, a newborn. I was wanting to make all these changes, but I am the type of person where, you know, once I decide I'm going to do something, I do it. And I just ripped the bandaid off and I said, okay, like I, I want to actually like, I want this to be something that's around 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. And I'm not going to do it by charging $300 because all the people that charge so little get burned out. So I made those changes. And you made them overnight, right? I did. Yeah. You went from like 300 (laughs) to what, 1200. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I knew that again, like I am not the type of person to like drag my feet on anything. Like when I want to change something about my business, I do it fast. And so once I realized, and I like ran my numbers and like, truthfully numbers, they don't lie. And so I couldn't argue with what my cost of doing business was showing me. And when it came down to it, you know, my expenses and um, you know, paying taxes and then also paying a babysitter to watch kids while I'm at a session, mm-hmm. you know, I wound up basically paying people to take their pictures. I mean, that's really at the point that I was too. So for me, I was either going to change it overnight and be successful, or I wasn't going to do it because mm-hmm. I, I really realized fast, like there has to be a certain amount of money that I'm walking out of my door and leaving my family for. And if I'm not making it, I'm not going to, not going to pursue it. So I did, I literally overnight deleted everything off my, my social media, everything off of my website, my blog, and only put up what I want to, wanted to photograph in the future. So did you raise your prices before you quit your day job or after? Oh man. Um, I think that it was after, I think that I actually have it all documented in, in, in the motherhood anthology membership, like by year, because I took a, took some time to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that it was after, um, after I quit my day job, I know that I did have like, you know, already scheduled sessions that I was sort of like phasing out of. So 2014, um, and 2015 were sort of like a transition time period. Um, and, and really once I had made that shift and I started getting clients, it was so hard for me to photograph those $300 sessions because I realized like, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to make any money from it. So I feel like the, 
I feel like the sooner that people can just do their cost of doing business to know what their numbers are, the better it will be overall for their business because they can, you know, really focus their brand on their ideal client and who they're catering to. And that's going to be different for everyone based on what their, what their cost of, of doing business is and what, what salary they need to live in the area that they live. I know that um, so many people in our community, like that's such a big goal is to turn, you know, their love of photography into their um, main income and to leave their day job. And that's such a scary leap because, I mean, some people may, you know, have a partner that is able to cover expenses while they build their business, but some people, you know, may not. And so do you have like practical advice for someone that, you know, that's really wanting to, to make the leap? I think I read somewhere before that you said like one great tip was just having memberships booked out to so talk about that a little bit, like just some helpful hints for people that they know they need to raise their prices, but they're trying to leave their day job. And how can they do that without it being so scary? Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess I don't want to paint this picture of, you know, like, yes, my husband's salary could have floated us, but I was a hundred percent in the same position that so many people are right now, where I desperately wanted to leave my day job. I did not want to work 12 hour shifts with two kids and it was not where my heart was. And so I really, and I've, and I've talked about this before, not on the podcast, I don't think, but, um, I committed a year to myself, a year of just working so hard to make it happen. And what that meant for me is, you know, I put the kids to bed at eight o'clock or seven o'clock and I went straight to my office and I was working on everything from blogging to SEO, to social media, any idea that I could come up with that could possibly generate clients and leads and ultimately conversions. Like I was doing it and I told myself, I'm going to do this for a year. And I would work until two or three o'clock in the morning and then get up with the kids the next day at 6 a.m. And then some days I would be off to a 12-hour shift and I knew I could do it for a year. And so in my mind, doing that and getting the boulder to the top of the hill quicker just meant that I would be able to, to coast a little bit sooner. And so I was willing to just run myself ragged basically. And not that I'm telling people out there that they have to do the same thing, but I don't think that a business, a successful business can be made by sitting back from the very beginning and touching it occasionally. I feel like that year that I devoted to just going all in is truly what, you know, propelled my business forward so quickly and allowed me to, to take the leap of leaving my job because I would never have done that had I not known my plan to just go all in, right. all, all in for a year, basically. So you said that you deleted everything overnight. Mm -hmm. So that was the second part of the question from the community. It says you deleted all your old work you had posted online how did you do that? Did you do model calls? Um, so what, what did you do? Yeah. So I started by sort of helping people style themselves 
but not provide wardrobe. So at that time I didn't have a studio wardrobe. I didn't have a studio. And so I just would go basically like shopping for them. And I would send them a collage of what I thought that they should wear with links to buy them. Um, and I would do sessions, paid sessions like that. And then also I would have like a couple families come in and, you know, they got all of the digital files in exchange for doing exactly what I said, we would photograph exactly where I wanted to. And that way I could build my portfolio. And, you know, we always say it, but you want, you always have to show what you want to photograph again. So for me, if I, you know, I, I was able to sit back and like, look at my work and look at the sessions that like really made my heart sing. And then look at the sessions where I felt like I was a total fraud as a photographer. And I put together like, okay, with the sessions that I love, I love it because of X, Y, and Z. And so then I replicated that over and over and over again. Um, that way I love what I'm doing and I'm, you know, creating consistency in my brand and my business. So what is X, Y, and Z? So what would you say that you're replicating over and over? So it's location, it's, it's time of day and it's clothing choices. Um, a hundred percent for me, you know, if I, if I change any one of those things, my work does not look like my work. And I think that one of the biggest compliments that I've received as an artist is someone saying like, I know your pictures without even seeing your name. And I don't think that that would be possible if I was to change any of those three, three things. So if I took, you know, if I took myself and my same old camera and I went to my, my private field at sunset, but the clients were wearing orange polos and Navy pants, you would not know it was me taking those pictures. And it's because I do the same things over and over again. My, my clients can anticipate what their pictures are going to look like that way. And I can also know that I am delivering like what they've signed up for, what they've seen on my website. It's not going to be some out of the blue session that they receive. So I'm just, I'm just absorbing here. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. Just absorbing. I, I'm kind of just taken aback because I like all of this information. If I, if this podcast existed like two, three years ago, I don't know. I just like this starting out is this information is just so good, but I think I need to go back because you said that you change your prices overnight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you have kind of a a plan on, you know, I'm going to delete everything. I want to do what makes my heart sing, but were there crickets? I mean, how long did it take for you to have that consistent client base? Did it take you that full year of really, you know, just hitting the ground running? I changed my prices and literally within days got, because I changed my prices, I went to the beach and within days I got a a call from a potential client. And I, I explained to her what I wanted to do. You know, I'm going to help you dress your family. Um, we're going to go to this beautiful field and take pictures. And then we're going to have an ordering appointment at a Starbucks is what I told her. (laughs) And, and she said, okay, sign me up. And I remembered having to like play it totally cool. Like, Oh yeah. Okay, great. I'll send you your contract and your invoice. And I hung up that phone and I did a happy dance and squealed because 
I was fully anticipating it taking forever. Now, what I realized, and granted, this is, you have to take this with a grain of salt because I feel like what I was doing back then was like not typical. Whereas now I feel like so many people have adopted this idea of wardrobe and a studio and hair and makeup artist that now it, it might be harder to like do what I did back then and have it be as successful as it was as quick as it was. But, you know, back then it was, I mean, yes, it took a while for me to like really get a good client base, but it did not take very long for me to get, start getting clients. And I, I do think that that's because what I was doing at that time was not the, not the norm. Right. And I feel like it's a lot of, I mean, you had to have the confidence yeah. or, at least fake, or at least fake the confidence. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking back. I have like my little bio in the motherhood anthology and I'm looking back at numbers and in 2014, I grossed $12,000 and in 2015, I grossed $28,000. And that was the first year after rebranding. And I had already scheduled like so many sessions under my old pricing, but then in 2016, I made a hundred thousand dollars. So I very quickly made that jump. Um, cause I'd fully transitioned to like my new pricing and in-person sales at the time right now I'm doing online sales, but then I was, you know, for a while meeting everybody at Starbucks or at their house. And then I got, you know, my, my studio and then, you know, started doing ordering appointments there. So I know that probably what I'm saying sounds just like too good to be true. Like, you know, it's not, it's not as easy for everyone and it's not, But I do think that if you put forth the effort to show people who you are as a person and then merge that with your brand and what you want to give them, I think that that will speak volumes and really hit home with the people that, you know, it resonates with, you know, cause there's, cause now at this point, there are so many photographers in Houston that do that theoretically have the exact same experience than me. However, yeah. they, they still choose me. And that's gotta be for something other than, you know, the, the wardrobe, the hair and makeup, the studio. Right. 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 That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things that stick out to me. Um, I think Shannon and Kristen, both in previous episodes talked a little bit about um, is that sometimes making a big change in price is easier than making a, just a small incremental Mm -hmm. change, you know, price um, changes, because as long as you're making small changes, you're staying within the same client base. Mm -hmm. And if you're make, if you make a big change, though, it may take a little while, it's almost like starting over with a new set of clients it is a new set of clients and they're not going to like question you on your old pricings, you know, right. or the, the old experience. So that stuck out to me um, as we've talked to others. And then when you said, because I mean, to be honest, it, it there's going to be a little lag. I feel like, you know, if you're, you're making a significant change, just like when you're starting a business, it's going to take a little while and word of mouth is going to take a little while. Um, but it's worth it. And, 
but what do you do for those that, you know, need the money? And when you said um, that you had memberships booked out so that you knew and sessions booked out, so you knew you had income for a while, even if you did hear crickets for a while, you still had something coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think you just have to plan for that. Yes. You know, it's going to take a bit, but it's going to be worth it. Just like, you know, you show with your numbers through the years. Well, and I had, you know, back then I didn't have a a membership at that point in my career. That was truly what I was skating on was those sessions that I had already scheduled. And then since then, when I raised my prices, I really do rely on the memberships because that, you know, it takes me, it'll take, you know, sometimes when I hop to my digitals being $3,000, you know, it took a hot minute before people started, you know, saying, yes, like I had my, I call my OG clients, like those, they, they stay with me. Right. But it takes a while to, you know, bring in more people that are willing to pay that price and see the value in paying that price. And so at that point, I time, I time it to where, you know, I have those memberships scheduled out over the next year that really carry me. Um, you know, that being said, I, I also, and I guess this goes back to whenever I just literally deleted everything and started over, I always operate under the like idea that it's going to work. Like there's not another option for me. And so I will work as hard as I have to, to make this happen. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others for stuff to, to, you know, to catch on or whatever. But I, once I have it in my head that I'm going to do something, I, explore every avenue to make it, to make it work. And so I think that like, you know, for people that are currently charging $350 and they're wanting to make that leap and they're relying on themselves for, for the, you know, for income, you know, there has to be a fine line, right. Between like, like you have to pay your mortgage, but you also need to make a living, but it all comes down to if you, if you do your numbers, your cost of cost of doing business. And it says you have to charge like, let's say $800 to make a profit. And you still just continue to charge 350. You're, you're not actually making a profit. So then it would be better to just not work than to be charging and working for something that you're actually not, not actually making money off of. I hope that makes sense. That was a lot of like words. (laughs) It made sense to me. It's extremely helpful it really is and I just keep going back to I feel like like speaking as kind of a newish motherhood photographer that does want to be in that high-end luxury price range I mean I think it still just boils down to like two main fears of are people going to book me and are they going to think I'm good enough yeah and those are I mean that's other than those two things though what there's nothing else necessarily holding me back. You know, like I, I have the talent and I think I could do it, but it's, it's just the fear. And so it's nice to hear like your perspective and you going through all of this. To respond to that, like, 
I don't think that that fear ever, well, let me not speak for everybody. For me, that fear has never gone away. And that is truly what motivates me to just work hard. I mean, I am constantly like when I raise my prices and my digitals are 3000, I am thinking like, oh my gosh, am I a fraud? Like, are they going to look at me and be like, I would never pay that much. But on the other hand, I'm looking at my cost of doing business. And that is what I have to charge in order to pay my business expenses, pay my employees, pay, pay myself. And it, I, I can't argue with it. So as much as I would like to not charge that, I don't have the option. And so, you know, my brand and my artwork has to, has to support that $3,000 price tag. And, you know, sort of a side note, I think that what a lot of people, like you said, you know, you want to, you want to enter that luxury market and charge those prices, Mm -hmm. but you know, what is luxury and like, uh, like your prices aren't going to be the same as mine, right? Because like my cost of doing business and living at the time in Houston, now in Asheville is not the same. So I feel like sometimes people will, you know, they'll be in like a little town in Iowa or somewhere. And they're like, but I want to charge 3000 and it just that it may not support that, but you don't necessarily have to charge 3000 because you don't have the same expenses as me. And so I think that like a lot of times when photographers are sort of looking around at, at other people, you know, and they see me charging 3000, they see Jenny charging, I think 2000, like they think that that is what means luxury. And that's not the case at all. It's that luxury to me is giving the clients a beautiful experience while also walking away as a profitable, sustainable photographer. And that's going to be a different number for everybody. So, you know, depending on where you live and what your bills are, it, your luxury price might be $1,500 for everything. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. that's the beauty in that, in that spreadsheet and, you know, working out numbers is you can know what, where you need to be to pay yourself well, and also, you know, be serving those clients. And I, for me, that was not charging $350. I I had to charge way more for where I was living and what I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, Allie, when we first met and you were shooting weddings, think about the price point that you charged at that point for weddings and think about what you charge now for a wedding. If I would have told you that then (laughs) four years ago, you would have, wouldn't have believed me. And now it's, you don't even think twice about sending those prices. So put that same mindset on motherhood photography, which is another very similar genre. I mean, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime thing, you know, that, that those first, you know, that first year with that new baby, or, you know, I think sometimes that people will, they'll gamble with, you know, milestones that maybe can be redone. They'll let their cousin shoot, you know, this or that, but weddings and, and babies, people, people want to know what they're getting because hard to go back and redo. So I think too, I wanted to point out that um, another thing in the last episode with Kristen that she mentioned as far as like that fear of 
like, how do I get to that price point or how do I get there? She said that seldom does that happen inside your own brain. Like you're not going to fix that fear inside your own mind, but it's surrounding yourself with other people that are doing it. And that's how you lose that fear. And um, that's what I love about Mm. the motherhood anthology, the community and the membership is that you get to see other people just like you that that are where you want to be. And that gives you the confidence to, to step out there and do that as well. Absolutely. I am a hundred percent biased, but I always say like, if I had had the motherhood anthology, uh, whenever I was just starting out, I think that my whole entire experience would be, would have been different because, you know, and Kim, I'm sure you, you can agree with this. Like back then I was like, Googling, how, how do I do this? I was YouTubing. How do I do that? Um, I literally Googled, how do I open a small business in Texas? Like I did not know. (laughs) I had no idea, no clue. And I was winging it. Hey y'all I'm pre Facebook and Instagram. So I'm really winging it. (laughs) And also, I mean, back in the day, you went to a conference or a workshop and they didn't dare tell you how much money they were making. Like you didn't talk about numbers. That's, you know, you'd pay to go to these things. And I would always leave feeling like, well, I really wanted to know what they charged or I really wanted to know how much they're making. You know, that that's kind of the goal here. And um, but that was kind of taboo to even ask those kinds of questions. So just to be in groups, you know, where you can talk about money openly that's, that's super valuable. Well, and I think, I think that it's important though, that, that we do because there are, and I'm not sure why it is, but you know, there's certain careers where people are constantly questioning whether you are deserving of what you're charging and photography is one of them. And, you know, I always say I would never go into Neiman's and say, Oh, well, but I, I don't think that you should be charging this, you know, you need to charge, you know, whatever. Right. Right. And that's, that can be what happens sometimes in photography. And I think that by us sharing our numbers and being open about it, it tells people like, you know, just like some people are lawyers or doctors or CPAs, like we are photographers and it is, it is the standard for anybody who is running a business, especially a small business to make a, make a, a, a salary that can sustain their family. Um, I'm deserving of that. And so is everybody else. And again, everyone's, everyone's needed salary is going to be different based on their, you know, expenses and needs and all of where they live, everything. But I think that by sharing numbers, it normalizes that it is a, it is not acceptable for photographers to be making anything less than what they need to run a business for the next 10, 15, 20 years. It puts more emphasis on the business. Right. And a lot of times I feel like in photography, it's, there's not a lot of people out there that are trying to focus on the business. I think you said that earlier. Yeah. Like you, you really got to dive into the business side. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, artists, we have that artist brain, right? Like we want to create and, you know, make these like beautiful things, but we don't think about the business part of it. And I think that that's why truthfully, so many photographers don't wind up making it is because they're so focused on making the art and they don't realize like 
in order to continue making the art, you have to actually be making money. And Mm -hmm. that's the hard part with photography is, you know, I think the, the, the public, our clients, they see it the 10%, right? The, they see the pretty pictures we post online. They see the glimpses we, we share in stories and they don't realize that 90% of what we do is not any of that. It is all of the behind the scenes marketing and branding and blogging and, you know, everything that goes into reaching our ideal clients. So speaking of that, Mm -hmm. I just want to hear your advice especially for, you know, photographer today that, okay, like they've done their cost of doing business. They're going to raise their prices. What do you think is, is most important after that? Do we, is it SEO? Is it, do we just need to focus on getting clients like model calls so that we have word of mouth? What is it that you think maybe drove your business to get to that consistency or maybe just in today's world, what would that, what would be the best case scenario to try to get those clients quicker? So I think that number one would be SEO because Mm -hmm. your, your presence on Google and their ability to find you is going to really make or break your business. I'm a firm believer that people that are on Google searching are much warmer clients than the ones that, you know, randomly see an Instagram story and send you a DM. And so, you know, for me, that meant paying somebody to really optimize my SEO at the time on my website and then tell me what I had to do from there on out to continue with that. And so, you know, a lot of times Jenny and I were, were talking about this earlier. We have people that will say, you know, I'm, I'm not getting any clients. I don't know what, like how to reach my ideal client, but then Jenny and I will go and look on their social media or their blog, and they've not blogged for three months and they've not posted on anything, anything on Instagram since May. And so that's Mm -hmm. just you, everything, it's all moving parts and you have to focus on the stuff that's going to bring you the biggest reward, the quickest. And so for me, that's SEO and that's social media. And then also it's picking people for model calls that are truly your ideal client on paper and not budging with what you, what you are expecting from them and what you're exchanging. So oftentimes in the group, we'll hear people say, well, I did this model call, but they showed up and they didn't wear what I wanted them to. And they, they asked if the session could be at one o'clock in the afternoon instead of right before sunset. And I'm, and I'm going, oh my gosh, no, because that's a waste Mm -hmm. of your time, right? Like if you're doing model calls and you're showing up essentially for, you know, monetarily wise free. It has to be exactly what you want to photograph in the future. And, you know, Jenny and I are a bit different in our ways of doing that. I will hundred percent walk up to a mom in target and ask her to come be <laughs> my model for something. Jenny would rather <laughs> live under a rock than do that. But I believe that like, if you, if you are, if you ask somebody who is your ideal client to come and you say, Hey, I'm going to give you all your digital files in exchange for X, Y, and Z. So that's getting your hair done, wearing what I want, getting your makeup done and being at my studio at this date and time, then that is worth it to me. And Mm -hmm. filling your 
your blog, which is SEO and filling your social media with stuff that shows your ideal client, what you do, that's going to resonate with them. Right. And then they're going to reach out and it goes even deeper. Like you have to make sure that your SEO is the correct way. You have to make sure that you're using hashtags that your ideal clients are looking at. But those two things truly are, I think, what propelled my business the quickest. Allison, what do you, where did, at what point did you get a studio and how important do you feel that is in charging a premium? Like, do you think that that has played a big part? I definitely think that having a studio makes like legitimizes your business a bit more. I got my studio, I think in my first one in 2015 and I, and granted that studio was a far ways away from the center of Houston. It was way out, way out there. Um, and people came and I think that that a hundred percent also propelled me in you know, the right direction, because, you know, if a client is looking at photographers and, you know, they're deciding between three and one of them has a studio in their mind from the feedback that I've heard from clients that that automatically makes them think like, okay, they've, you know, they're, they're like legit, they're doing it. Yeah. Getting, I mean, getting that studio was a, was a, a, a huge positive for me. Yeah. And it just makes it easier, I think, for you to present your brand because I feel like your studio is such an easy way to display your brand, your products, your just your style. Um, right. Yeah. And and also, it creates that consistency because you're you you then have a location that you're photographing clients in over and over and over again, and that consistency is what create helps to create a solid brand. Right. And you're also like your wardrobe and like it is just it's an easier experience. An easier way to serve your client and create an experience for them. Not that it can't be done without a studio, but it should just, especially if you're busy, like it's so much easier for you to stay in one place and for people to come to you than to um, spend your time going to them. Yeah. Well, and even before I had a studio, I rented a studio space like by the hour in Houston. And I just built that fee that I was paying into my pricing um, because I, I desperately wanted that, like to be as consistent as possible, because I feel like clients don't necessarily, they can't really like often pick out like, oh yeah, she is, she has consistency and that's what I like, but they do know like, man, I really like that photographer a lot more than these others. And they may not be able to put their, their like thumb on why, mm -hmm. but Part of it is having a consistent brand, them being able to like see the picture and know that that's lentil photography, um, you know, see a location and know that that's me. Um, so it's, it is creating that like well-rounded idea of who you want to be as an artist and what you want to give your clients. And, you know, the sooner you can do that, even if it means running a studio space and meeting them in Starbucks, it's just, it's slowly creating an experience that is the same over and over again for that, for each person. So let me ask you this. So do you feel like once you reach a certain level of success, then it takes something new to propel you forward? So you changed everything overnight. You worked on your your website and your SEO and your 
consistency in your images. So what do you feel like you're doing now that's different from what you had to do to get where you are? Does that make any sense? Like, what are your, you have goals, what are your goals now? And what are you doing to propel yourself now to the next level? Yeah. So I think that, I think that, you know, so often you have, I I always joke that like, I have blinders on, right? Like I, I really try hard not to pay attention to like what other people are doing, because I, I feel like that's when like my best ideas happen. So I remember this is an example, like back when I decided that I wanted to start doing Santa years ago, I saw that like others were doing Santa in the studio. And so I decided I wanted to do it outside Santa in a sunset is what I called it. And it went crazy. It sold out now, you know, there's, I haven't done Santa for the last two years, but that was specifically something that really helped propel my business forward because I came up with something that was not the norm at the time. No one was doing outside Santa pictures and I ran with it. And so that really brought in a whole other client base and like kicked business up a notch. I think that like, if you can figure out, you know, what can I do or provide that others around me aren't doing and look within and see like, you know, what does that mean for you? Does that mean adding on video to sessions? Does that mean, you know, offering a certain type of session that others aren't? Um, that's really like what I do. And so, you know, for me recently, that meant bringing on another photographer, um, to, to create uh, flexibility because I have, you know, there's a lot of people in Houston that they book their sessions a year in advance, but then there's a lot of others that, you know, call last minute and really want a session. And I, up until, you know, hiring another photographer, I wasn't able to do that because, you know, you can only photograph so much yourself. So I think that looking at the needs of your clients and fill, figuring out how you can serve them with something new is really what will up your game a bit. And again, it's totally going to be based on like you and your own clients. So what works for me in Houston is not going to work for me if I open something in Asheville. And what works for me in Houston doesn't work for Jenny in Nashville. Um, A lot of times clients, even if they're paying the same amount, they can be totally different. And you've got to figure out like how you can, how you can meet their needs for them. I'm just over here taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's why I'm so quiet. <laughs> oh. Okay, Allison, I got some rapid fire questions. Just quick answers. Okay. okay. Yeah. I love these. These are always fun. Okay. Proudest moment. Oh man. I think it's been moving to Asheville and still having a really good year. Um, I, you know, I, I, knew that I was going to do it, but it's different when you actually do it, you know, and it's been almost a full year now that I've been out here and my business is doing fantastic. And I'm really proud of that. What do you wish you knew then? (laughs) How to calculate cost of doing business. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, like I know Jenny and I like scream this from the rooftops, but like that will change your business. It's either going to rip the rug out from under you and make you realize, holy cow, I have to charge more, or it's going to solidify that what you're doing is correct. One or the other. It doesn't matter if you've been in business for a year or 10 years, everyone needs to do their cost of doing business. Biggest mistake. 
Oh man. Golly, biggest mistake. A mistake that I've made in business is allowing myself to become like emotionally involved in something that just needs to be business. So that could have meant feeling bad that I was charging more and offering somebody like a one-time discount. Ultimately that just devalues my, me myself. And at some point, everybody just needs to draw a line and just, you know, keep your business hat on and not, not make that mistake because that really, that cost me time that cost me money. And it's something that I wish that I had learned to do a lot sooner. Best advice you were ever given. So I don't know that, I don't know that this is like best advice that I have been given, but something that has really like held weight in my life and like the way that I do business is there is a poem called Sonder. And that whole poem just like blew my mind whenever I read it and really took made me take a step back at like how I approach business, how I approach strangers, how I approach people I love. And it, it, I don't know, for some reason, it's not necessarily advice that I was given, but it's something that really like made an impact on me and my life and the way that I go about all of it. So Google the poem Sonder. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Thank um, you, Allie. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim for letting me be on because this was very helpful for me. And hopefully it'll be super, super helpful to, to all photographers that are just trying to figure out how to get to that next, that next level. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're always here to help. So if you're listening and you are like, oh my gosh, wait, where do I even start? Just join the community and tag us and we'll help. Bye y'all. Have a good day. Bye. 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 I'm sure Allie wasn't the only one taking notes during this episode. I love how Allison shared so candidly what she did to take that leap from $300 days to $1,000 days. Often it's the stories of fellow business owners who've made it to the other side of the trenches that inspire us to courageously make those changes we know we need to make in our own businesses, but are hesitant to do so. At the Motherhood Anthology, we have so many free resources to help you guys navigate those big changes in your own business. Head over to themotherhoodanthology.com, click on Courses, where you can download many useful resources at no cost to you. You can also join in the conversations and community on Facebook by searching for the Motherhood Anthology Community. And lastly, we would love to connect with you at the Motherhood Anthology on Facebook and Instagram as well. This Georgia O'Keeffe quote wraps up our episode so well. I don't think I have a great gift. It isn't just talent. You have to have something else. It's mostly a lot of nerve and a lot of very, very hard work. Thank you for joining Allison, Allie, and myself on today's podcast. We'll see you right back here next week for another new episode. From Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.